Psalm 28, please. Please turn your Bibles to Psalm 28. It's a great opportunity to look at this psalm this morning. It contains one of my favorite banner verses, Psalm 28, 7. We're warned in Scripture, if we're in this pulpit before the great congregation, that it's better to let our words be few. This is prime real estate up here. We cannot, better not, obscure the Word of God by using our own words to get in the way. So it's my job to read, briefly explain, draw your attention to a few points that, that I enjoy, and get out of the way and let the Word of God speak for itself. Allow me to read this to you, please. Psalm 28. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their own endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert. Amen. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also, and lift them up forever. Psalm 28. There's uh, three or four key lessons that we learn about the character of God from this psalm. We learn about the heart of God because David was a man after God's own heart. So if we want to think like God thinks, let's learn to think like David thought. Verse number one, God is our rock. God is our source of stability, our source of reassurance, and our source of safety. He is our foundation. We see here a basic law of God's character. It is his permanence. God doesn't change. God is consistent. He is the same. And he is faithful. Amen. Like a rock, God often sometimes seems silent. Hence the first two verses of this psalm. We sing sometimes, teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. But I ask you, is any prayer uttered by a child of God, ever really unanswered? No. We may hear silence when we should really be hearing, be patient, not yet, trust your rock. David feels like God is silent, and David feels this so intensely that David says he might as well die, be like them that go down to the pit if he doesn't hear God speaking. In one sense, I admit, 
It is good to be so attuned to God's responses this intimately that we feel this depressed at times if we don't hear God respond. That is good in a sense. In another sense, don't let it kill you if the relationship seems one-sided for a moment. It is not. Be patient and trust your rock. Verse number three. No collusion, by the way, between our pastor's earlier comments and the comments of the next two verses. Verse number three, draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. David is afraid in these verses that he will be included when God judges the wicked. And he is afraid that perhaps God will fail somehow to make a distinction between David and the wicked. But this is utterly impossible. It would contradict another basic law of God's character. God treats the righteous very differently than God treats the wicked. I refer to Psalm 34, a couple of my favorite verses from that psalm, to back up this point. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Amen. Amen. God describes the wicked as being folks that speak peace but think mischief. We hear this theme repeated often in Scripture. Consider this from Psalm 55. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter but war was in his heart. His words are softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Consider this verse from Isaiah where God speaks of his own people at times. For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. That is, it is a rote performance rather than a heart religion. David's prayer to himself, however, was Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, yes. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Yes. Can we work to have our hearts and our speech sing the same tune? Yes. Let's not be a corrupt fountain. Let's be consistent. It pure as in Proverbs 22:11, he that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. I always thought of that word pure, meaning clean, innocent, undefiled. Our pastor explains, and I I completely agree and appreciate this explanation, that pure also means consistent throughout. Let us be aligned in our hearts and our speech, all on the same page, singing the same thing. Now, the world will hear that, and they say, and they'll say, you hear people say this, they say, Yeah, exactly. I agree with it. We should call it like we see it. We should always just throw it right out there like it is. No. A Christian's heart and a Christian's speech is governed by grace. He has the law of kindness in his lips, and his heart and his law is governed by the law of love, 1 Corinthians 13. God shows us another great characteristic of his thoughts in verses 3 and 4. Men reap what they sow, and God will make sure of it. We are not to be deceived in this matter. In fact, 
Psalm 9 tells us that the Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. The verse prior to that, the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. Psalm 7, his mischief shall return upon his own head. David appeals to this law to comfort himself with the coming certainty of the wicked judgment. This is consistent with Psalm 73, surely thou dost set them in slippery places. Haman is a famous example of this law of God's character. As he was hung by the gallows that he designed for someone else. David also noted this law to King Saul. Remember this. We recently read it in 1 Samuel 26. After he let Saul go the second time when he had the opportunity to kill him, what did he say? The Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth for good and for bad. Even the heathen recognize this law, and you'll hear these comments a lot around you at work. They'll say, it's fate or it's karma. What goes around comes around, right? You hear people say that. They don't give God the source of that law, but God is known by the judgment which he executeth. It, it's, it's fully well known to the universe, but the rest of the heathen around us don't acknowledge the source of that law. We recall with some humor the heathen on the, on the island of Melita. They were quick to appeal to this law when Paul got bitten by the viper that came out of the fire. They thought, aha, that's proof that he's a sinner and he's, uh, he's a criminal because the snake's going to get him even though he escaped from the ship, right? No. When, when the snake did not kill him, then they changed their minds because clearly he was operating above this law, so he must be a god. So they decided to worship him. That's cute. David further describes this law in verse 5 as the works of the Lord and the operation of his hands. And I love this verse. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered, David tells us in Psalm 111. David places huge importance on our ability to recognize this as the Lord's fingerprints in the works around us. Those that recognize it tremble and rejoice and are built up, according to this psalm. Those that don't recognize it are destroyed. See verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. Why, herein is a strange thing. Look back at verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee. Did God answer David's prayer between verse 2 and verse 6? We are not told of any audible answer that God gave David between verses 2 and 6. But why did he say, because God hath heard the voice of my supplications? One, because he heard God's, David heard God's, forgive me, God answered David's supplications many times in times past, and David remembered that. So God has heard David's prayer and answered it visibly many times in the past, which is a signal comfort to us. But it's also true that, as the next verse goes on to explain, when we put our trust in the Lord, because we know God's character and the way God thinks, our putting trust in the Lord actively, my heart trusting in Him, is in itself a source of comfort because we know if God hears, therefore, he does answer. Amen. There is no in-between. In conclusion, what are we to take away from Psalm 28? 
How is it that our heart can fully trust in Him and be helped, even without actually hearing an audible answer to our specific prayer request? Number one, God is our rock. He doesn't change. God is predictable and God is faithful. Point number two, God treats the righteous very differently than the wicked. And guess what? That's your choice. That's my choice. I love the youth group t-shirt that I see floating around still sometimes. Choose you this day. It is your choice. Amen. He provided the platform, but it's our choice to place ourselves in the path of his future blessing. God is angry at the wicked every day. But as Job describes, he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God treats the righteous very preciously, burning away the dross, but never burning away one ounce of gold. Can we be pure with our speech and with our actions and be consistent? Point number four, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. I recall three things we've noted before about farming. You reap later than what you sow. You always reap what you sow. And you always reap more than what you sow. Rejoice in this law. The opportunity is huge. Light is sown for the righteous, we are told. God says that he knows the the thoughts he thinks toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Amen. If you regard the works of the Lord in Scripture, if you recognize the operation of His hands in your life, rejoice. The Lord has already heard your supplications. You have but to ask them. He is your strength and shield, and you can trust Him, and with your song, you can praise Him. Psalm 28.